0: Pastor Xavier Reese says, sometimes we're called to live a sermon rather than preach it.
1: Every person who is married to a person who doesn't know Christ, that non-believer constantly is looking at you. That that is God's opportunity to preach the gospel through your example. How you talk, how you deal with things, how you deal with other people, how you deal with your children, how you deal with your husband, all of that.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. There's a saying that warns, you may be the only Bible that some people ever read. And while it is true most people would rather see a sermon than hear one, it's all the more important for the Christian spouse who's married to an unbeliever. And even in the case of an unequally yoked marriage, God's divine design for the family structure still applies. Pastor Xavier Rees takes us to the epistle of 1st Peter for more on godly submission of women on today's Simple Truths. Let's listen.
1: Peter has been dealing with the subject of submission. He began in chapter 2, verse 13, dealing with submission to government, submission of servants to master in verse 18, and he lets Christ be the example And the context is, in the midst of persecution, when in fact, you are innocent. And when you study this scripture, and the book of Peter, in light of what he says, then we have to really be at awe at what God asks of us, and the capacities that are in us through the power of His Spirit and the Word of God. God never asks of us to be submissive only when it's convenient. He never speaks of our yielding to Him only when it's not costly. And He places Himself as the greatest illustration of life. That we have no excuse at all. Now in chapter 3 verse 1 through 6, He comes down to wives and In the context, he's speaking to wives who are married to non-believing husbands. And so the whole section speaks of the Christian submission, who are to submit. The word likewise in verse 1 of chapter 3, the word likewise in verse 7, all look back to the context of submission. And so we need to realize that God desires all of us to be submissive. Sometimes we will center on one, as we will this morning, to the wives. Now let me read the text and then we'll point out some things and and we'll take it a verse at a time. He says, Likewise, you wives, speaking about submission, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conversation or the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct... "...accompanied by fear. Do not let your beauty be that outward adorning of arranging of hair, of wearing of gold, or of putting on fine apparel. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible ornament of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner in former times the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands." As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Peter gives to us three characteristics that are very evident in godly women. Women who are submissive to the Spirit and the Word of God. The first is that they are submissive to their husbands. In verse 1 and 2. Secondly, they are modest in their dress, verse 3 and 4. And thirdly, they honor their husbands, verses 5 and 6. Now, top on the list, Christian women submit to their own husbands. Remember the context. These are unbelieving husbands. You go back to chapter 2 verse 13, it is submission to unbelieving government. Not because it's Christian government. Verse 18, servants are to submit to their masters, to the just, and to the evil. And so the principle goes straight across the board. Not if, not based on, but submission to that authority and to that place where God has put us. And so, wives that live with unbelieving husbands, first of all, are to submit to their husbands. Now, to get a good understanding of this, let me give you some background on the women that Peter is talking in those days. Women were not really thought of too highly. As a matter of fact, if you do a historical study on women and their freedom and their privileges and how they are viewed... I mean a complete history through the existence of man, you will find that that women are only respected and have rights and privileges only where the gospel breaks through. Because Christianity has exalted and liberated women more than any civilization or movement ever has. Remember when Jesus they were brought the woman that was caught in adultery. He says, well, you know, the loss of the stoner, what do you say? He said, well, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Then he looked upon her and says, Woman, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. That was unheard of in those days. Because even in the Jewish community, the woman was nothing but just a possession like a sheep or a goat. And the Hebrew view was the highest view. She could not leave her husband at any time. The only time she could divorce her husband was for if he was insane or if he contacted leprosy. Interesting. She was to please her husband, raise the children, and care for the home. That's how she was viewed in the Jewish home. When it came to the Greek society, the woman was to remain indoors and be obedient. She was not to see or hear anything. As a matter of fact, she was to see and hear as little as possible and to speak as little as possible. She had no rights at all. She had not her own mind. She could be divorced at any time by her husband. Yet she could not divorce her husband for any reason. She was just there to serve his purpose. Many of the men of that day had their pleasure with other women as courtesans, as, as mistresses. And his wife was the one to graze the children and care for the home. And that's all she was to do. Now that exists in much of the world today, in many other societies. In the Roman culture, she forever remained a child. And she was under what is called patria potestas, which was the father's right and power over her life. And as long as he lived, he could do whatever he wanted with her, even put her to death. And she had no rights. And so as we really study history and we study culture, we have to confess and acknowledge what Jesus Christ has done for women. And so when Peter says, You wives be submissive to your own husbands, We have to be careful not to charge Peter or God with unfairness. But do we have to seek to study the Scriptures? What is it that he's talking about? First of all, the word means to, to line up under. It's a military term. We've studied it before in marriage, and it doesn't imply inferiority. But in fact, it only implies effectiveness in terms of function. Just as a private would submit to a sergeant, and perhaps the private would have a higher IQ than the sergeant, but that's not his position. His position is to submit because that is his function. And so likewise, we look at the scriptures and we see that God created the man, and then he took the woman from the curved side of man, and he brought the woman to the man. The woman was created for the man and not the man for the woman, Paul tells us and the scriptures give witness to. Now be careful as you go to extremes and think that therefore the woman is to be just an instrument or the man is to be a dictator never because the picture in scripture is a man to be a type of Christ loving caring gentle sacrificed dying to self and so we have to look at it in its balance and so these wives are to submit themselves notice to their own husbands No time in Scripture does the Bible say that a woman is to submit to any man or every man. You women submit to your own husbands, not to every man, not to any man. Be careful because some churches will want to bring you as a woman under the authority of the man in the church. Never. Whenever I have to deal with a young lady who is married or an older woman who is married... I never do so without confronting their husbands. I am not over their authority. So be careful that you don't submit yourself to authority that is not biblical. So they were to submit to their own husbands willingly, knowing that this was pleasing to the Lord and this would glorify the Lord. Now again, be careful that you don't imply inferiority because Jesus Christ submitted himself to the Father. And if you say that women are inferior by virtue of submission, then you have to say that Christ is inferior because he submitted to the Father. And I don't think you're willing to say that. And so, Peter says, submit to your own husbands. Notice the particular is that even if some do not obey the word. Okay, so these are men who have been exposed to the gospel But they do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, probably what took place here is that they had been married apart from the Lord. They were both non-believers. And as the gospel came through, many of these women embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ, but their husbands rejected the gospel. Now you can imagine the turmoil and the difficulty that it would bring about to a home. Even as perhaps you live in a home that is unequally yoked by the same thing. You have come to Christ after the fact of your marriage. It is very difficult because your husband is going this way and then now Jesus Christ is telling you to go this way. What do you do? Well, first of all, we learn from this that Peter says, Women, don't use your freedom in Christ to abuse your husband. You are responsible to your husband to submit to him And to prove that Christ lives in you. Paul the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, If you are married to an unbelieving mate, do not leave your unbelieving mate. And so, Christians at times say, Well, you know, my wife or my husband is an unbeliever, so I'm going to divorce him. No. The Bible does not condone that. The Bible does not say that. The Bible never teaches that. Paul does say, If your unbelieving mate abandons you because of your faith, then you are free in the Lord to remarry again. But that's only if the non-believer leaves. There's an awesome responsibility. If you are living with an unbelieving mate after the fact you got married, then that means God has held you responsible and that He is able to use you to show Christ to Him. Whether they will ever accept Christ or not, that is not your responsibility. But your responsibility is to show them Christ through your life. And so the context is very specific here to those husbands who have rejected the gospel. It says they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. Without a word of preaching. Now I would take this to mean not only from the onset of your conversion, but that after the fact that you have given reason for your faith, and it has been rejected, and the husband says, I don't want to hear it anymore, that your conduct is of such witness that your husbands can see a vast difference from you from the women that are in the world. And this is what Peter is saying. That you should be able to tell the difference between a godly woman and a woman that does not know Christ. And he's going to give us some guidelines here. Now, why does Peter say this? I think simply for one thing. Our sin nature. We always want our rights instead of Exercising responsibility. Secondly, Peter realizes the nature of the woman. Have you ever observed how different little boys are from little girls? Have you ever seen how catty little girls are once they start getting into junior high school? That fallen nature. It is amazing. Now, boys do it in another way. But... It's interesting, the dynamics that go on between little girls. And Peter recognizes the fallen nature. Peter recognizes that women are different from men. That's just the way it is. It doesn't mean that they're less, that they're better. God has made us completely different. And so Peter says that they may be one, and of course that's for salvation. By the conduct, your manner of life, of the godly young lady. Now, how do they do that? Verse 2 says, When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Chaste means pure. That means that your manner of life and the word observe means to watch attentively. That implies that Peter says that every person who is married to a person who doesn't know Christ, that non-believer constantly is looking at you in that intense observation, that that is God's opportunity to preach the gospel through your example, through your life. How you talk. How you deal with things. How you deal with other people. How you deal with your children. How you deal with your husband. How you deal with the home. How you deal with the pressures. All of that. Now this is heavy because Peter is saying that we have great potential and capacity in Christ. Potential and capacity that the non-believer does not have. He's not laying a heavy trip. Remember, he's speaking to people who are persecuted. The whole area of submission in this context and in this section is under persecution, under oppression. Submitting to the unjust, to the unfair, to the unbeliever. And so we need to put that in perspective. So that we don't cry out of here saying, Well, you don't understand my situation. Oh, I don't think you understand their situation. I think you need to consider it. And so do I. But not only by chaste conduct. He says, accompanied by fear. This means respect and reverence. And this is talking about towards the husband. That you as a young lady or a mature woman... If you live with an unbelieving husband, that when he looks at you, he realizes that you revere him, that you respect him. It is very easy if you live with an unbelieving mate to badmouth them. I I cringe when I hear Christian women who badmouth their husbands that are saved, let alone their husbands who aren't saved. That should not happen with the Christian woman or the Christian man. Our hearts should be broken because our maids do not know Christ. And as they look at our lives, they should know that we respect them because of who they are. In this context, the woman. That the woman will respect that man, though he does not know Christ, that he is the head, that he is the provider, he is the protector. He is the covering that, that God has put over her. Though the marriage has been made before coming to Christ, God not honors him as that head though he does not know Christ. And that woman would submit to everything short of that which would contradict the scriptures or defile her spiritual purity. That's when the woman has to say no. If he would want her to do things that would defile her conscience, say, if he would want her to watch pornography with him. No. She has to be obedient to the Word and to conscience. But as far as the relationship of marital relationship, she has to submit. And in that witness, that he might be won over to Jesus Christ. And so the Christian woman is characterized by submission to her husband. And the context is an unbelieving husband. What should we say to the believing husband? Secondly, Peter tells us that a second characteristic of Christian women is the modesty of their dress in verses 3 and 4. Do not let your beauty be the outward adorning or arranging of the hair or wearing gold or putting on a fine apparel, That's the negative. But the positive, but let it be, the hidden person of the heart. With the incorruptible ornament of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, we should never think of Christianity as a bunch of do's and don'ts. But I also realize that men and women who have a relationship with Jesus Christ are the freest in Christ. And say, you know, that's not so beneficial for my spiritual development. I really don't want to do it. I don't want any part with it. But this over here, this would really edify me. This would really cultivate my relationship with Christ. This would really develop that which Christ wants to do in me. And that's where I want to center in. But it's so often that even as we look to the scriptures, when we come to passages like verse 3 and 4, we always say, okay, see, you can't do this and you can't do that. And it becomes a legalistic relationship. And so you have Christians who say you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do that and you can't do this and you should do this and you should be doing it and and, and it's it's a drag. Peter here on the negative note says, Do not let your beauty be the outward adorning. In other words, don't be caught up with the exterior women. Now why why didn't he say that to the men? Because men could care less. There are some men that want to be flashy and all that. But women are the ones that have a hang-up with dress. You go into the mall, young ladies, women, and if if you had the money, you'd walk out with everything. I mean, let's face it. I mean, that's just the way you're made up. You know, you go into the closet, you have all this clothes, uh, and you say, I don't have anything to wear. That's... The nature of women. And so he says, When you live with an unbelieving husband, Make sure that you don't conform To the attitude of the world And that you're pressured to perform. To compete with the women of the world. When you have to fight for somebody to keep them, You have to fight for them for the rest of your life. A relationship flows together. You're just to be a witness. And so, Peter is speaking about the worldly concept, how they're living for the outward appearance. He gets very specific. He says, The arranging of hair. Now, you think we have some hairdos today? <laughs> In those days, they had theirs. And women would just twirl their hairs up in all kinds of curls and they would hang jewels on them and they would spend all this money on, on wigs. And I mean, some of them, uh, the historians tell us that women would even, wouldn't even want to go to sleep at night unless they would mess their hair up. It's tragic when you as a young lady or a mature woman have to depend upon your physical appearance to feel secure. It really is. Now, on the other side, I am not saying that you shouldn't take care of yourself. Even as the late Vernon McGee said, even an old barn looks better with a coat of paint. (laughs) I mean, there's makeup, use it. But you're not going to the circus, so (laughs) don't cake it on. Um, You can have the latest fashions of hairdo. Make sure that you're not depending on that. The word there speaks of cosmos bringing things into order out of chaos. That's where you get your word cosmetic from, women. Bringing things from out of order into order. <laughs> and so Peter is not saying don't use makeup, though some churches will teach you that. Peter is saying. Don't depend on it. And Pastor X is saying, you're not going to the circus. The arranging of hair, that would put jewels, gold, all kinds of different nets and different things to bring attraction to them. I mean, stop and think of some of the hairdos we have today. I mean, in the hippies, when I grew up in the 60s, you know, we grew our hair long and we did different things. Today, you, you know, you cut little designs in your hair and all that. All it's saying is, look at me. I mean, we don't do those weird things to ourselves because we really think it looks good. We're trying to say something. We're trying to get attention. He says, women, don't do that. You have Christ Jesus.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese with some simple truths for women on beautifying the marriage from within and without. Now, today's study is simply titled Godly Submission of Women. And as always, we can provide a copy upon request. And by the way, there's much more to this study that our limited time on the air just doesn't allow us to present. But we're happy to include on CD for just $4 to help cover the costs. And that title to ask for once again is Godly Submission of Women. Request yours today by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please help us by including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Pastor Xavier Reese has more on the godly submission of women when we return for the next Simple Truths. Hope you'll join us. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com